the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Courageous Christianity, a public nonprofit ministry equipping Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield. The intersection of our faith and the world is a battlefield strewn with debris of a fallen world that challenges even the hardiest souls. And yet, this intersection is the context of our faith. As courageous Christian warriors, we must navigate this difficult terrain in our personal walk and as we seek to bring Christ to those who are lost and struggling. As a colonel in the Marine Corps Reserves with numerous combat deployments, Richard Mendelow has walked dangerous ground in peacetime and in war. Join us as he and his guests shed light on this critical intersection on spiritual combat and on the rules of engagement for courageous Christianity. And here's your host, Richard Mendelow. Friends, welcome and thank you for joining us on Courageous Christianity. Today is such a special day as we are on the eve of two of the four most significant events in human history. I bet you're excited to find out what those are. First, (laughs) as we prepare for Easter Sunday, we have the chance to think about the resurrection of Jesus and the celebration of our freedom from bondage to sin and the certain spiritual death that our humanity assures. And we must contemplate what that means. Second, Tomorrow night is the last night of Passover, and tomorrow ends a week of observance for our Jewish neighbors as they celebrate the exodus of Israel from bondage in Egypt. It was following that exodus that God gave us his laws and revealed his plan for his chosen people and through them, all nations. So that's two out of the four. And that is the promise, the the redemption of all of us through God's chosen people, that promise into which we are adopted by our faith. I don't know about you, but as I ponder the Exodus and Easter and their tremendous significance for this troubled world, I'm filled with a mix of joy and determination. And it might sound strange, but yes, determination. We who've been purchased by the creator of the universe at such great cost must come to the amazing opportunity we have been given with determination and commitment and solemnity. Our God is a warrior father who expects his sons and daughters to confront the enemies of his children. And we celebrate this opportunity tomorrow. And we have a very special guest on the show with us to join us in this conversation. Brother Jim is back via phone from Greenwood, Mississippi. Brother Jim, welcome. Good. Glad to be here. So glad to be here. Honored to. Thank you so much. As you remember, Brother Jim is the senior pastor of uh, North Greenwood Baptist Church, and 
He's a fisher of men and a fisher of fish, and he was just telling us about the bass tournament that he's going to be uh, fishing in this weekend. And it was no big fish story. And it was no big fish story. (laughs) And as always, we're joined by, and so grateful for Christy Stratton, my trusty wingman, and I can't tell you how much she does for us and this show. My honor. Thank you. And before we begin, I must remind you that as a colonel still serving in the Marine Corps Reserve, these are my personal opinions. They do not necessarily represent the Department of Defense or the Department of the Navy. Brother Jim, would you please pray for us? I sure would. Father, we thank you once again for your great grace and marvelous mercy that enables us in Christ to have a personal relationship with you. We thank you for being a seeking God who comes to us where we are located, where we are in our need for forgiveness uh, for our sins and providing your son as a sin offering for us. He defeated death and the grave and our sin and his sacrifice has granted all this as providing assurance for us of our own future resurrection and the promise of eternal life. So help us not to get over the cross and what it symbolizes for the hope that we have in Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray that. Amen. 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 So, Brother Jim, welcome. It's a good thing Jesus can walk on water because that way he can find you wherever you are. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So in the opener, I said a couple of things which might have caught people's attention. I said that we're on the eve of two of the four most important uh, events in human history. And I said that our God is a warrior father. Brother Jim, how do those uh, statements sit with you? Well, I think we always uh, have to go way back into the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, even before, to really see how God, our Father, handled those that he loved. Israel's enslavement in Egypt had reached into the heart of God for uh, his people. Scripture says that their cries had reached his ears, um, symbolically, anthropomorphically. Of course, God doesn't have ears like we do, but he he heard the, the heart uh, cries of his people, and when he uh, appoints Moses to go to Pharaoh and demand, let my people go, I, I think it shows us that God comes to the defense of those he loves and seeks to deliver from bondage uh, in whatever way and form and fashion that fits. And his goal has always been to deliver us, whether it's Egypt or our own sin. And I think we need to be careful to not miss the symbolism of the whole concept of the Passover, those ten plagues, that last plague. Uh, that would sweep across all of Egypt, but would um, not befall those homes where the blood on the doorposts and the lintel of the door uh, where blood was. The death angel passed over those houses, and um, it's amazing. All ten of those plagues, even though the camp of the Israelites was right there in Egypt, none of those plagues, none of those plagues uh, affected or impacted the camp of the Israelites, whereas every all of the Egyptian area was completely, uh, completely impacted by those. But that blood, that blood on the doorpost was symbolic on either side of the door and on the top of that door, I think. I think it's a picture of the future crucifixion of Jesus, his nailed hands and the uh, crown of thorns on his head. I think all of that symbolized exactly what would be coming in the future, and I don't think we need to overlook that. Yeah, uh, very important the way... The Exodus uh, and the story of God's work there is connected to the New Testament as foreshadowing, and we're going to talk about that uh, 
a little more because I don't think it gets much more important. So two of the four most significant events uh, for me, in my opinion, and as always, we can talk about these things a lot, but I believe God's covenant with Abraham is one of the top four things because that set the stage for everything that follows. And then, of course, the birth of Jesus and then the Exodus and the Mosaic laws and uh, coming to understand and know uh, the God of Abraham and then the resurrection. So for me, those are the four biggies and everything else fits into that context. And so two of the four are taking place uh, tomorrow and uh, an amazing thing. But I also said that God is a warrior father. And uh, friends, if you're wondering why I say that, it's because if God is a warrior in Exodus chapter 15, verses three through six, say the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. So he's a warrior. And it's important in these troubled times that we remember we are the descendants of a warrior. We are created by a warrior. So necessarily he would have created in us warrior traits. And when we don't live like warriors, we experience all of the dissonance that we see plaguing the people around us. At the same time, I said he's a father. And I've mentioned this before on the show. Jeremiah chapter 3 verses 19 and 20 are some of the saddest verses in the entire Bible because I think we really hear the heart of God when he says, I myself said, how gladly would I treat you like my children and give you a pleasant land, the most beautiful inheritance of any nation. I thought you would call me father and not turn away from following me. And then he reminds us in the fifth commandment to honor thy father and thy mother and then promises that all will go well with you. I bring this up for these reasons, because that tells us who God is all throughout the Bible. He's telling us who he is, a warrior a father. He says, honor the father and I promise things will go well with you. That's what he is. The rest of the story is about our response to that. How does that sit with you, Brother Jim? Well, I also reflect upon a picture that I really hadn't thought about until I heard you say that again. Uh, And that remember, even when Jesus knew what was before him in Jerusalem, the scripture says he wept over Jerusalem as Jesus uh, was preparing to make that triumphal entry and knowing what was out before him that week. Uh, his own rejection caused him to weep, and God and Jeremiah, you know, expresses that same grief that uh, everything God wanted for Israel so much uh, that they also needed, they didn't see it that way. They didn't see God as the giver of every good and perfect gift, which he was. And uh, and it, it broke God's heart, uh, even in the days of Noah, that he determined that indeed man had gone all sorts of directions except to him, and it grieved his heart that he had that he had made them. So we break the heart of God. Our sin breaks the heart of God. Our nation is breaking the heart of God. I think uh, certainly our world, and we just kind of I think sometimes wonder how much longer, how much more patient is God going to be with mm-hmm. this world of ours? So my goodness gracious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were actually just uh, Christy and I had a long talk this morning. Um, uh, along these lines, talking about how in our in our worldly uh, ways we seek to be big, we seek to be significant, we seek to see ourselves in Facebook, uh, see ourselves in conversations, have a moment of notoriety. 
But if we could accept being small because we know how huge God is, and if we could think of ourselves as small, then we would focus more on the the little obedience and the little interactions and the little connectedness that uh, brings us all together, strengthens us, and glorifies him. Uh, So it's kind of we either seek ourselves or we seek him. And in, in doing that, that's big. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that and that's the irony of it. Our humility and our obedience when we treat him like a father and honor his heart in all that we do is the little and the big of it, isn't it? It definitely is. And I think um, it just touches my heart that this time of the season is an opportunity for us to draw back. If maybe we've gotten a little bit bigger uh, secularly than we need to be. This is the time to really focus in on mm-hmm. what it all means. These, these four important times, Jesus's death, Jesus's resurrection, and we can draw closer to him and be small, but together big glorifying him. All of it just infused with the love of God. So as we ponder what Easter means to each of us, this is what I think it means to me. In Jesus' resurrection, I'm restored to God. And he's a loving warrior father. And to honor him, I must be a loving warrior son. But that's not about being huge uh, in my own shoes and being really impressed with myself and doing big things. It's about little things and the humility of being little, knowing that God is big enough and that he will lift us up according to his will. And... I think uh, as each of us, as we, as we are on the eve of Easter and we think about the context of all of it, each of us is going to come to different conclusions about what it means. And uh, talking with Brother Jim, we hear uh, his heart. And I just hope that your takeaway from this, I hope that what you get from this will be... Um, the humility and the feeling of being loved and the feeling of the power that we have in God and how it's all small. And we're going to talk about that more when we come back. Please stay with us. Hello, everyone. This is Christy Stratton. As you may know, I'm host Richard Mendelow's wingman. You might wonder what a wingman is. Here on Courageous Christianity, it means I'm here to support the host of the show in our efforts to accomplish our mission. That mission is to equip Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield. And we need your help to do that. Your tax-deductible support is what keeps us on the air and sustains our ongoing efforts. Courageous Christianity is a public nonprofit ministry. If you'd like to support our mission in this ministry, you can do so by texting any amount to 281-800-4940. That's 281 281- Eight zero zero four nine four zero, and for a donation of twenty five dollars or more, we will send you a signed copy of Richard's book, "Right Makes Might: Forty Days to Courageous Christianity." You will absolutely love this devotional, and it will help you to become more equipped in your walk as a courageous Christian. If texting isn't a fit for you, you can also donate by going to courageouschristianity.today. So, text to donate to two eight one eight hundred forty nine forty, or go to courageouschristianity.today. Friends, thank you. We are so very grateful for your listenership and for your support.
What a friend we have in Jesus All our sins and I'm just letting that roll for a little while Mike picked a great way to bring us back in What, what a friend a we have in Jesus Oh, I could listen to that the conversation's great, but that song is that just song awesome. That song is, I could almost stop and just listen to that. And that's Chad Strader, everybody. As you know, if you're a friend of the show, he is doing all of our music and has such a heart for Jesus and a beautiful voice. And you hear it in that song. So welcome back. Uh, you are with Courageous Christianity, and I'm Richard Mendelo. And we're talking with Brother Jim Phillips about Easter tomorrow. And we've said that tomorrow is Easter and tomorrow night's the last night of Passover. And last week we talked with Rabbi Marco about the story of Exodus. And he talked about the responsibility that we have in our freedom. And nobody epitomizes action based on that responsibility more than Peter, because he was far from perfect, but he was determined. He was a bit of a hothead, but he was determined and he loved Jesus and He betrayed him and that betrayal and then Jesus forgiveness of that betrayal and the freedom it gave him from his treachery just uh, impacted him in such a way that he was committed for the rest of his life to the gospel. And he wasn't highly educated in the Torah, as was Paul, and he was far from perfect as his treachery uh, makes real, but his harsh response was faithful and committed. And I think there's a lesson for each of us in that. Brother Jim, your thoughts? Well, I've always sought to uh, challenge the membership of our church to isolate uh, a Bible personality or more specifically a disciple and determine, based on what the Scripture says about that particular disciple, how do you resemble them? Or is there is there some way in which uh, one or two of the men that, uh, that Jesus handpicked, by the way, uh, more uh, follows the pattern of your own lifestyle? I, I've um, challenged people to, to do this. I've tried to paint pictures for them. Um, for instance, uh, are, you, are you more like John, who was loving and tender and sensitive? Uh, are you more like Thomas, who was skeptical and questioning and doubter? I, I think Thomas gets a bad rap sometimes. He, he's oftentimes called Doubting Thomas. I, I think he was just inquisitive Thomas, and sometimes it came across as doubt. Um, are you more like Matthew, who was a traitor-turned-follower? Or like I've often compared myself, are we more like Peter? Are we are we headstrong? Are we boisterous? Are we self-assuring? Too quick to speak at times? Uh, wishy-washy? Uh, hard-working risk-taker? And a darn good fisherman, by the way, uh, Peter was. <laughs> <laughs> what, what what was it that Jesus saw in these men as he? encountered them gradually across the pages of our Bible. And uh, was there something particularly interesting in Peter that Jesus would select him? I think it it was, and I I say it jokingly, but I'm also serious. As a a fisherman, he and his brother Andrew both were uh, committed to hard work and uh, persistence and patience and knowledgeable, of course, of their 
of their skill, of their trade, of drawing nets in the Sea of Galilee, but they didn't give up easily uh, in seeking to obtain success, and Jesus would need that later uh, in the life and minds of his disciples. And so, as, uh, as Peter indeed is known quite readily in the Scripture for failure, he's also, he also comes around in the end, of course, because of his, uh, of his faithfulness. And don't forget that when uh, Jesus had his disciples up at uh, Caesarea Philippi, which, by the way, I've been there a number of times, and why did Jesus take them there? Well, the whole history of that area of northern Israel below Mount Hermon up there, uh, where so much uh, devil worship and evil things were going on, and the people up there actually believed that the, that the opening to the pit of Hades, or pit of hell, was yes. at Caesarea Philippi. And for for Peter to hear Jesus's words, well, fellas, what are they saying out there? What what are people talking about when they talk about me? And, and they, they probably only said the kind things. Well, Lord, they just don't know how to take you. They they think you're you know one of the prophets or John the Baptist risen from the dead or. Well, he puts them on the spot. Well, what is it that you think, and what is it? What is your conviction? And of course, remember, no one had yet said out of their own lips. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God, until Peter did. And wow. so when Peter said that, Jesus knew that the Father was indeed working in Peter's life and his his selecting him as a as a follower, as a disciple, was uh, paramount to the conviction that he would hold in years to come. Yes, he would drop the ball. Yes, he would deny to a teenage girl beside a warming fire while Jesus was on trial that he knew who he was. Gosh, in one page, you know, he's declaring you're the Christ, the Son of the living God, and a few pages over, I, I don't know who you're talking about. You know, um, something that I'm hearing is, I really uh, asked in the first segment, uh, we said God is a warrior father, and this is who he is, and this is who he shows us he is, and then you've just made a, such an interesting point, who is your disciple? Who are you? Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. in this... Uh, in the story uh, of God in the world and his people and those who seek him, who is each of us? And so uh, it's funny you say that because I've often thought of myself as Paul and, uh, you know, Jew uh, come to Jesus, outspoken, uh, wants to talk to everybody, far from perfect and still wants to talk to everybody because just so overcome with the love of, uh, and forgiveness of Jesus. And so to hear that your heart, uh, aligns with Peter, um, uh, fishing is a, is a, is a powerful thing, I guess, (laughs) but I hear what you're saying. And I, the thing that strikes me about Peter is he denied the guy he had been with for the last three years who had exactly. showered him with love and fellowship. And at that man's, just the man, forget about God on earth, at that man's lowest point at, at the time when he needed a friend most, first they were asleep in the garden of Gethsemane and then straight up denied him three times. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus just forgives him. And, uh, do you love me? Feed my sheep. And, and he did that. And so each of us can hear in that story, uh, an individual far from perfect, weak, maybe at some important moments. And we say we love Jesus, but do we really? 
and then just overcome with gratitude for forgiveness, and that shapes the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love that. And, you know, he's the cornerstone. Uh, well, Jesus is the cornerstone, but he said uh, he's the rock on which he built the church, right? So doesn't that right. mean each of us who's like that is has a place, an important place in the church? Well, and don't forget the warrior picture of Peter in that garden, you know, when they were awakened from their stupor or whatever was happening, whether they were peeking with one eye or not, when Jesus was praying, you know, when that when that horde of um, group that came in there to arrest Jesus and take him away, of course, who went to the Lord's defense? Jesus needed somebody to speak up at least immediately, at least they did in the flesh, think, and what did he do? He drew a sword. And the worst swordsman in all of Israel took a swipe at the neck of Malchus and all he got was his ear. I mean, good gracious, what a terrible swordsman he was. But, <laughs> uh, and the last miracle Jesus performed was the healing of the ear of Malchus. That'd be an interesting person to, to know about, but he disappears in the pages of the scripture. But there there was Peter. He did come to his defense, but then it wouldn't be very long that he would even deny he even knew who he was. I think that's more like us than most of us might be willing to admit. Uh, that's an interesting concept than most of us would be willing to admit. Uh, we've talked a lot about uh, one of Jesus's first words in his ministry is repent. And mm-hmm. repentance requires honesty. And it requires looking into the law, uh, not because we're going to be perfect in the law, but looking into the law to see how we've erred. And then in honesty, uh, just just self-effacing, looking into the mirror, honesty, we say, yikes, I'm not that uh, what I should be here, or I haven't been what I should be here. And then in that integrity, you repent and you bring it all to Jesus and you say, Lord, I haven't been what I should be. And uh, that's an amazing thing. It, it does require honesty, and that's especially hard in this day and age when the world is so full of lies. I saw something yesterday. It was talking about the idea that people just want to be comfortable and they don't want anything hard. And young people don't want to do anything hard. And they're buying this earthly promise that uh, socialism or communism are going to give you comfort. And they're actually willing to give up freedom for this fake and temporary comfort. And yet God charges us with freedom and says, now go and do something amazing with it. Um, you make a very good point that we must come to him in uh, full accountability. Absolutely. And of course, Peter, again, always speaking before he was asked to speak, I mean, even on the Mount of Transfiguration, he saw this incredible transformed um, figure before him, which was all the holiness and Shekinah glory of God on the inside, showing on the outside of Jesus. And he immediately wanted to capture that. I mean, give him some credit. I mean, boy, he said, this is a great place to be. Uh, That'd be good if this is all we did was live on the mountaintop, but the real problems are down in the valley. I brought you up here to see who I am so you in your valley will know the presence that's going to be in your life when I go back to the Father, and they needed to see that. And, of course, it changed their lives incredibly after the Lord did go back to the Father. And, my goodness, we need to see the Lord that way, too. But Peter had his had his uh, his good points, but doggone it, he's more like me than I'm willing to admit sometimes. I, I think that's true of all of us. Uh, last couple of days it's felt like the, the devil's been coming against me, 
and uh, some things I wished I'd have handled a little bit better. And we are talking about the opportunity that we have as Christians and our thoughts about the, the forgiveness of Christ and our heart's response to that. And uh, talking to Brother Jim Phillips. Stay with us, folks, as we head into the next segment. We'll be back. Here's this week's So What Are We Reading? We believe that a part of what helps us in our walk as courageous Christians is reading. And so we're taking a moment during each show to share what we are reading and how it's helping us in the hope that it will help you. First and foremost, we are always reading the Bible, and we truly encourage you to always start there. And next, we hope you'll be reading with us Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity. And yes, it's by the host of Courageous Christianity, Richard Mindelow. And now you can get your complimentary copy. Thank you to KKHT for featuring Richard's book on KKHT.com with a book giveaway. Want to read along with us? Get your complimentary book by going to KKHT.com. Look for and click the 40 Days to Courageous Christianity image on the homepage. Enter some easy info and KKHT will take care of the rest. The book is a 40-day devotional for those who seek to become Christian warriors. It's about heart, faith, courage, and truth. Richard brings his experience as a colonel in the Marines and as a Jew who believes in Christ to the readings. You'll hear Richard's courageous love of Jesus in every word. At the end of the 40 days, with God's help, you will have experienced a transformation. You will have learned how to speak about your faith more, how to pray more, and how with God's help to stand your ground more firmly, all while leading people to a decision about their eternal souls. You will be a Christian warrior and a guardian of the faith. So make sure to get your complimentary copy by going to kkht.com. Look for and click the 40 Days to Courageous Christianity image on the homepage. Enter your info and KKHT will get you your copy. We want to hear your thoughts about the devotional, so please let us know at our Facebook or Instagram pages by searching Courageous Christianity. And to learn more about our ministry efforts, go to CourageousChristianity.today. And as always, if you want to reach us, you can email us at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com. Our beloved A.W. Tozer says, the things you read will fashion you, slowly conditioning your mind. We pray that in this next week, you will be reading the things that will condition your mind as a courageous Christian warrior. That song kind of has a Chicago vibe to it, doesn't it? A little bit. Friends here with Courageous Christianity, and we're talking to Brother Jim Phillips about Easter tomorrow. And we've been talking about Peter and Peter's relationship with Jesus and his betrayal and Jesus' forgiveness of that betrayal. And all of that was before Jesus' resurrection. And so, like many of us, when we bring ourselves to Jesus and Jesus said, do you love me? And he said, yes. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. So we come to Jesus and he forgives us. And then effectively he says, if you love me, you'll do these things. And so... Brother Jim, uh, Peter, after the resurrection. Well, I think it's important that uh, even when the women realized that when they went to the tomb that morning, looking for the body of Jesus, for which they intended to complete their burial rites uh, as a Jew, uh, they didn't go there to find an empty tomb. They went there to find a body. 
And when there was one, was not one recoverable and found out that the body of Jesus was gone, of course, once Mary Magdalene and the other Mary get back to the disciples to let them know that they, in fact, do encounter the risen Lord, of course, Peter and John uh, make a mad dash for the grave. I love John's uh, telling of that in the Gospel of John because he makes it uh, clear uh, that uh, as he and Peter ran to the tomb, John was faster than Peter. He got there first, and he points that out more than once. And, but when Peter got there, he immediately went into the tomb to discover it to discover it empty. Now, on three nights earlier, on that Friday night during the trial of Jesus, I don't think we need to lose sight of the fact that the Scripture makes a very uh, specific point. Jesus and Peter make eye contact in that um, uh, in the platform or the patio of Caiaphas when Jesus is in trial, and I think it tells us another aspect of Peter's heart because the Scripture says that Peter went and wept bitterly. So here was this brazen fisherman. Here was this outspoken disciple. Here was this man who was bigger than life, probably even before the other disciples, and he has. He has denied the Lord and and falls into deep remorse and brokenness, and I don't think that's ever anything that the Lord overlooks. I think there needs to be that experience in all of us, and what better weekend than this weekend to recognize that uh, when we see the beauty of the sacrifice of the Lord for our sins and the sin that we indeed caused that event to happen— uh, it ought to break our hearts. I think it's a great weekend for us to, you know, make renewal and 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 look for a time of recovery. Uh, you know, when Peter was in that garden, I'm sorry, on that in that in that area, and Jesus had predicted it. You know, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. You know, preachers have sort of this um, this this sort of game that goes on in our minds. Sometimes we kind of play this thing. You know, where the reason they call the chicken the gospel bird is because we've been eating all that chicken all these years in defense of the rooster that crowed and 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 revealed Peter's failure. Well, I don't know if that's true or not, but it, it's something we kind of play with. But uh, let's let's think about the fact that um, if Peter can blow it and can still be used, then we can too. And after the resurrection. Uh, Jesus indeed tells the disciples, uh, go to Galilee and you will see me there. And there's a beautiful, beautiful sculpture today at Capernaum, Israel, up there by the Sea of Galilee that depicts uh, John 21's uh, passage of the restoration of Peter. And that's where he gives him that information, asks him three times, you know, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? And the, the statue has Jesus pointing over the head of Peter pointing to maybe even the even the Gentile side of uh, the Sea of Galilee, now go feed my sheep. And Peter did that, and, and that becomes true. And, of course, at Pentecost in Acts 2, when, uh, when Pentecost comes and the Holy Spirit comes upon the church, let's don't lose sight of the fact that Peter the lion-hearted is now uh, no longer Peter the chicken-hearted. Uh, he indeed goes boldly with the gospel and gives us the very first evangelistic message as someone who is now endued with the Holy Spirit within him. And the very thing that Jesus saw in him back when he called him on the on the lake, uh, follow me, I'll make you fishers men, becomes a reality because he gives the gospel. He shares the whole story draws the Old Testament picture of what the prophets were anticipating, seeing that in the fulfillment of Christ. And, and Acts chapter 2 concludes with 3,000 souls being saved.
Amen. And I don't think we should overlook that. The resurrection power of Christ was real. And this Peter had been redeemed and and renewed and refreshed and repowered, and he was ready to go storm the gates of hell for the Lord. And he he wants us to have that same power and presence and, and see us also as being redeemable. And look what God can do through the likes of someone who surrenders to me. Just uh, amazing. As you were talking, I, I turned to Matthew chapter 5. When you had said that, uh, you know, the Sermon on the Mount and... Uh, I'm thinking, I'm reading it as you're speaking. I was looking at it in regard to Peter and uh, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is a kingdom of heaven. And you think about mm-hmm. Peter's humility and gratitude, not because he was something, but because he was nothing. And why mm-hmm. was he nothing? Because he betrayed his best friend. And uh, the other thing I thought about as you were speaking is John's a little competitive because Very. remember he, he said that he, he talks about the disciple he loved um, yeah. kind of implying yeah. love the most and mm-hmm. what was john's deal do you suppose yeah and, and don't forget all of, all of the artists pretty much have depicted that at that at that last supper in that upper room that that's john with his head over on the on the chest of jesus I think John, um, his sensitivity, uh, there's no doubt there was a special relationship there. Otherwise, Jesus would not have entrusted Mary to him at the cross. And uh, I think there is a tenderness about John that becomes evident in his own gospel uh, later. And uh, same same deal, I think here's this great opportunity for us as followers which disciple is it that we seem to to mimic, and which disciple needs to mentor us into where we need to be? And before I lose lose track of thought of this, don't fail to go and read First Peter. Did Peter finally get it? Did Peter, you know, yes, we know the story. Church tells us, church history tells us, Peter was eventually crucified, not right side up, but upside down. That's a pretty strong. That's a pretty strong uh, historical church uh, belief, you know, that when he was martyred for the faith, that he refused to be like his Lord in an upright position on a cross, but upside down. And there's all, seems to be the history tells us that that is the way he died. Amazing. And uh, in all humility, I mean, Peter was used mightily. But don't forget, I just got through, uh, actually, I'm teaching First Peter on Wednesday nights in our church. Uh, the writings of the first couple of pages of First Peter are precious. You're going to read the words of a redeemed man, a man who understands the miracle of what's happened in his life, and the and he and he describes praise God for the living hope that we have in Christ, and he experienced that, and so he writes about it for us. Uh, you're saying so many amazing things. Um, I guess, friends, one of the things I I really want us to take away is we're all different, and we have different backgrounds and different talents and we're fearfully and wonderfully made and the devil's going to come against us and tell us we're not worthy in this way and we're not worthy in that way. And God says we're worthy, which means we're worthy. And John was different from Peter and Peter is different from Paul and Paul was different from Thomas. And so each of us is different. And the way in which we are all the same uh, is that we're all fallen. We all make mistakes. We all have uh, regrets and deep regrets. And when we bring those to the cross and offer them to Jesus, then he makes us into who we could be and should be and can be. And uh, 
I just think that's so amazing because uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. If we just come in humility, accepting the fact that we're all little and it's okay to be little. We don't have to be the quarterback of every team. We could just be on the field. And we're going to do that in different ways. John was a different cat than uh, Peter, and Peter was different. So I think that's an amazing uh, thing for us to recognize because I think the devil is very destructive when he tells us who we can't be and who we shouldn't be and who we aren't. Don't you think that's just very real to to struggle with that? It is real, and so when Peter writes in First Peter chapter 5, is he not talking about himself in the same way you who are younger submit yourselves to your elders, all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. It's Peter that describes, remember, be alert and sober-minded, for your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone who may devour. Who experienced that but Peter? Yeah. And so he writes about it, so his his what he experienced prepared him better to help the next guy, the next gal along, because uh, he needed recovery and got it, and we need to be that same ambassador for the Lord as Peter was. Yeah, and not because you're big, but because you're small. I told Christy this morning, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, whenever I am on orders doing my Marine Corps job, uh, your orders always stipulate that you have a... Uh, compact car. If you have to have a rental car in some city or in some place, it has to be a compact. And even if they want to upgrade you for free, you can't accept it because your travel claim receipt has to say uh, that you have a compact car. So there I am in some place. And instead of driving around in my truck, I'm driving around in some tiny little compact car. And I love it. I find it (laughs) a relief to pull up at uh, the traffic light in the smallest car on the road and be looking up and across at everybody. And it relieves me of this uh, ego, prideful need to be seen and to be big. And I find it cathartic that I can just be the small little guy that God made and he will handle the increase. And friends, uh, so much wonderful uh, thought and consideration coming from Brother Jim. Stay with us. We'll be back for our final segment. I was lost in a crowded place I was dying to be free Friends, it's Richard, the host of Courageous Christianity. In addition to donations, sponsorships also help to keep us on the air and sustain our ongoing efforts. We'd love for you to join us in this mission. If you own a Christian business or an entrepreneur, or it's on your heart to support our efforts, sponsorship opportunities are available. You'll have the chance to have your message heard during each show and much more. If you want to join us in our mission to equip Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield and support us with your sponsorship, contact us at 281-656-1833 or email us at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com. Contact us today to apply, as there are some requirements. So give us a call at 281-656-1833 or email us at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com. We're grateful for your listenership and for your support. Friends, you're back with Courageous Christianity. I'm Richard Mendelow, your host, with my trusty wingman, Christy, talking to Dr. Jim Phillips who just wants people to always call him Brother Jim because (laughs) 
to be a brother in Christ is enough for him. And I think that's a wonderful example of a man not having the desire to be big, but rather the desire to be small, that he can better serve the Lord as the Lord commands it. And at the break, I asked uh, Brother Jim where he wanted to go with this final segment. And he said, let's see where the Lord takes us. And I think that's an amazing way to look at life. And our opportunity is let's just see where God takes us. And the one thought that I have is uh, as a Marine, I've been in combat a couple of times and also a pilot. I've survived some uh, pretty close calls. And uh, I'm specifically thinking of a time in Afghanistan uh, where uh, there was an IED that did not go off, and it could have, and another time when my vehicle rolled and almost went into a canal, and more than likely we would have drowned. And after those things are over, you're kind of shaking, the adrenaline's leaving your body, and um, you think about what could have happened, and you stand there uh, after this near-death experience, and you, you feel profound gratitude and you consider all the good that you can do and you're less focused with the little things and more focused on the big things. And what I'm asking is that in Christ, as we each come to Jesus from the near death experience that we have in our humanity and the failure of our uh, self-reliant efforts at righteousness and we come to him and he says, you're saved and I have saved you and go and do good things. And so it's in that gratitude that we have such opportunity. And uh, I guess th- those are the thoughts I have going into Easter tomorrow. Brother Jim, where's your heart on that? Yeah, my my pastor said many years ago something that stuck with me. Uh, God hits his biggest licks with little sticks. And if we can continue our mindset of humility and putting ourselves in the position of being used, the world's going to want to blow us up, and God is going to want to keep us uh, humble. I want to focus here for just a moment again on Peter out of Second Peter chapter 1. Uh, the last correspondence to the early church that Peter wrote, it begins, Simon Peter, a servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of God our Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. One of the things that I think Peter kept realizing is that uh, the Lord restored him, recovered him, as I said earlier, and as a result of that, what responsibility did he have to the Lord? So he, he writes to the early church, and thus he was writing to us, Grace and peace in yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. His divine power has given us everything we need. He's talking about what he himself experienced for a godly life through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and good. Through these he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. There's one thing that Peter does here, and I think, again, he could be talking about himself, uh, and that is God gives you and me this this, uh, privilege of finishing his work. In other words, yes, we're saved by the blood of Christ. We're saved by faith alone and Christ alone, nothing else. But then, you know, our lives can become a lot of different things, can go a lot of different ways. 
and he, he talking about the uniqueness of the different disciples and how there were so many different ways that he used them. The same is true for us. So, so God is going to use the things that we experience, the places we go, the people we meet, the people that are in our lives, and he's honing us to become the, the very tool for which he wants to also use us for the kingdom. Uh, I love this passage, again, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5 and the following. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, that's Peter. That's how he became and listeners today, I think we need to see ourselves. That's also what we can become. We can become someone through whom God will do amazing work, but we have to get up every morning surrendering ourselves to the day and allowing the Lord to form and shape us as seems best for him. And uh, you just ask the Lord to put you in a place where you can be the most usable and do that in all humility and, and humbleness and Good gracious, there's just no telling what the Lord can do through lives like that. It's it's completely amazing. In our conversation this morning, Christy and I were talking about how the world wants to make us feel like we have to be big. And so when you said God hits his biggest licks with little sticks, Mm -hmm. uh, something I had said this morning to Christy is I said, how many people do you know who feel like each time they get up to bat, they have to hit a home run, and consequently, they never get on base. Um, And I got it. Babe Ruth hit a ton of home runs, but he also struck out a ton. But what I'm talking about is in the kingdom of God, you get this uh, at bat. Each day you get a chance, and... And you don't have to hit a home run. He's not asking you that. The The world is telling you that. The world is the reason why you see people driving in their car and looking at their phones and checking everything on Facebook is I think they're trying to see how many likes they got and how much recognition mm. they got. But I'm just talking about getting on base. And we're not going to get into an Astros uh, Braves discussion because Brother Jim will have trouble with that. But, you know, uh, you think about Altuve. Uh, he gets on base a lot. And God bless him, and God bless each of us in the opportunity that we have for some little licks each day. means something to somebody. And so, Brother Jim, uh, as we work toward the end of the show, what final thoughts do you have uh, for the eve of Easter? I really think this Easter will be very unique, potentially, for the churches across the world, but... um, this time last year, the pandemic was uh, taking lives and, and, and setting back so many, and churches were empty on Easter last year. Mine was. And I'm so excited about uh, about Easter Sunday. And the last several weeks, we've seen a return of so many, and we've seen the Lord working in our midst, and there's been a spirit of anticipation and enthusiasm, people loving on each other again. The vaccines in our community are, are beginning to to be done and I've gotten mine and my wife has as well and we're seeing people hug again and affirm again. I think this Easter has a real potential uh, in the kingdom to be a catalyst for launching some spiritual awakening in our churches so that we can be back to the Lord's business 
impacting a, uh, the political system even across our country that, is, that has become so rancid. And I just pray that the Lord will, will create a spiritual awakening, and I pray that he'll begin it with me. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Those are fantastic words. My devotional for today said that uh, we have to come together in fellowship. Don't try and do it on your own. It was Pastor Rick Warren, and the example he used was if you take a coal out of the fire, it quickly goes out, but if you throw it back into the fire, it gets hot again. Mm-hmm. So, friends, that's the truth. You heard it here, and it brings us to our moment of truth. As you know, in every show, we have a moment of truth where we look at Scripture, which informs our discussion, and we do this to remind ourselves that God's Word is our first refuge, that it's always relevant, and that it never fails. And our moment of truth today comes from Exodus chapter 15, as the Israelites rejoice in song about their escape from Egypt. And they talk about the might of the Lord and how God's enemies will stand still for God's people. And there's some critical foreshadowing in verse 16, which says this, By the power of your arm, they will be as still as stone. Until your people pass by, Lord, until the people you bought pass by. The foreshadowing is that we too are those people. We are bought by Jesus. He paid our debt to sin. He conquered death. And not just that, but he also offers us forgiveness. And not just that, but new life. And not just that, but changed life, victorious and abundant life should we choose to claim it by our faith and the obedient actions of our grateful hearts, just grateful hearts coming to him each day. Like Peter, we can each rise above our past to live new and victorious lives, and we can trust that God will still our enemies. Friends, it's my prayer that on the eve of this amazing day and the opportunity it represents to be unconditionally forgiven and reborn, We who have been purchased by the love of God ask him how we may serve him and that we seek out those opportunities and knock on those doors. And that brings us to our quote of the day. I don't know who said this, but it makes simple sense. It says, Easter is the only time of year when it is safe to put all of your eggs in one basket. (laughs) And I think that's cute and sweet, but the truth of the matter is every day is the time to put all of your eggs in Jesus's basket. It is only by the love of God manifested in his son that we escape bondage to sin and our weak human flesh. Friends, life is hard. Like the Israelites, though we are freed from bondage, we live in the wilderness of this world in hopes of the promised land. And there are trials in this wilderness. But the lives we live through these trials, like Peter's, are about our heart's response to the love and faithfulness of our warrior father as we ask each day, Lord, how may I serve you? And then we just get up there and take some little licks. And that is Courageous Christianity. I want to thank our guest, Brother Jim Phillips. Brother Jim, thank you so much. Good luck on your fishing tournament. Thank you. Thank you. Friends, thank you for joining Christy and me today. We hope you'll join us each and every week here on 100.7 KKHT, the word at kkht.com or on courageouschristianity.today where you can listen to the previous episodes by podcast. We're honored to walk with you in Christ. God bless, semper fi, and best wishes for a joyous and solemn Easter.